You know, it's funny to look back on my, my journey of life and, and to recognize the Owasso connections that came into my life before I knew God would call us to this place. Um, I grew up in Moore, Oklahoma, and um, I, I grew up on land my family got in the land run. And, uh, and so Oklahoma is home for me. And I said to the Lord when I surrendered to ministry, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I love Oklahoma. And I'm thankful that God has called me here. And, and when I look back at, at just my connection to Owasso, when I was in high school, uh, there was a new basketball coach that came to Moore, and he was from Owasso. His name was Scott Raper. I don't know if you know the Rapers. He, they were here for a long time. And Scott, uh, is, I think his dad coached here, right, uh, for a long time. And then, and then Scott came to Moore as one of our coaches. And, and, uh, and then um, this guy named Mark Van Curen came uh, to Moore. That was his first job out of college. Mark goes to church here. He's one of our state uh, state leaders in, uh, in our state government, and he goes to church, he'll be in the next service. I called him and said, hey, I'm telling a story about you. And so, um, but, but Scott and Mark went to Westmore, and I went to Moore because I got to play in the very first Moore-Westmore basketball game because our high school split uh, my senior year, and so all of us got to choose. And Scott Raper and Mark Van Curen were coaching at Westmore, and I was at Moore, and we played basketball against them. And I had a phenomenal high school basketball career. Um, I averaged one point a game, and I averaged 5.3 fouls a game. And that was my role. And so, and, um, and I'll never forget the very first Moore Westmore basketball game. I'm playing against Scott Raper and Mark Van Curen, who are coaching on the other sideline. And, uh, and it was a great game to play in because it was the very first one ever. And so we were all friends. The year before, we had played together, and, and we were all buddies. And now uh, we were opponents. And, uh, and it was interesting because all of my closest friends went to Westmore, and I chose to stay at Moore because my dad was a tennis coach, and I, I, had to, I couldn't go play against my dad. So I'm playing for... for for more, and the, and the game starts, and I was, you know, averaging one point a game and, and 5.3 fouls a game. I didn't start the game, okay? I, I was on the bench when the game started. And, uh, and so the game's going on, and my role on the basketball team was to give Ryan Adubble a break, okay? That was my job. And um, so the, it's the first quarter, and I'll never forget this. It's the first quarter and um, it, was, uh, it was fun. It was crowded. And I was just like, this is a great moment. I'm, I, I mean, the stands are packed. And I'm like, this is a fun game to be at. I love being at this game. And it didn't dawn on me that I'm actually on the team, okay? I was just excited to be in the gym at the game. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear Coach Dudley in the first quarter say, Wall, that's my name. And, uh, and I was like, me? And I, and I get up, and we had these cool 1989 sweats that had the button down. And I, grew, um, I played basketball when shorts were shorts, right? I mean, we had lots of thigh exposed, you know. It wasn't the longer shorts now. But, um, but, but he said, wall. And right when I go to, the, go to talk to Coach Dudley, he's about to put me in the game. As soon as I stand up, all of my friends on the Westmore student section had signs with my name on it. 
And they started, they saw that I was going to the game, and my nickname was Big Daddy, and, and I don't know, I'll tell you, that's another story. And, uh, and so, and so I, all I see is about eight posters with Big Daddy and wall on it. And so I'm, uh, Coach Dudley is talking into my ear, it's very loud, and all I'm doing is reading the signs. I'm like, oh, those are funny, man. Those are, I can't believe they got signs. And then Coach Dudley hit me on the rear, which is the universal basketball sign of go check in. But I don't know who I'm supposed to check in for because I wasn't listening to Coach Dudley. I was, I was uh, reading the signs. And so, so I go to the table to check in, and I'm thinking, what do I do? I'm not going to go back and say, hey, coach, what did you just say? I wasn't going to do that. I, I mean, I knew you were smart enough to not do that. So, so the buzzer sounds, and I go into the game, and I just choose the first person I see wearing a Moore High School uniform. And I chose Mark Moore, who was 6'6", and was our, and I wasn't, I, don't, I wasn't 6'6", when I was in high school. And, and, I, and I, I choose him, and Mark comes out of the game. And Coach Dudley, all I can hear him say is, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? And, and I hear him yelling through the entire gym, wall, why did you go in for him? And so I go to my, my two-guard spot because I was a two-guard. And, and I go to my spot. Now our whole offense is messed up. Nobody's down low. Everybody's out top. And Ryan Adudel's looking at me going, what are you doing? And they, they throw me the ball. And, and I'm dribbling down the court, and I have this thought, I'm open. I need to shoot the ball. And, and so in the first three seconds of being in the game, I shoot some three-pointer that was like, I, I don't even know if I hit the rim. Um, and, and I just remember Coach Dudley yelling at me as I'm running down the floor, you are not supposed to shoot the ball. And, and, and I personally in the first half had seven turnovers. It was outstanding. And, uh, and so it was a great way to start my senior year of basketball. You know, and, and so it was, it was a great moment. It's a moment I'll never forget. And, and, you know, when I think back about that moment, I've laughed about it. My friends have laughed about it. But I really wasn't ready to play. It was a moment that I, I had a uniform. I was on the team. I was practicing. I, was, uh, I, I should have expected to get in the game. I was a senior on the team, and I wasn't ready to play. Now, let's, let's think about the real lesson of that. Here we are, servants of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And, 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 and there might be some here today that don't know Christ as their Savior. And oh, today I pray you see Jesus and you see what he's done for you. But, but, but I really am going to talk to those of us that know Christ as their Savior. We're in the game. We're on the team. And we got a job to do, a role to play. And you know, when I look at the kingdom of God and I look at many believers that I rub shoulders with, people that know what it's like to be forgiven, people that have been touched by the, the grace of God, that they've been, they've been freely forgiven. And God has, has rescued them. They're on the team. But they're not ready to play. When I think about what, what my call as your pastor, 
hey, it's, it's, it's our job. It's my job to do everything I can to say, look, let, let's be ready to play. It's your job as a, as a servant in the life of this church, in this community, push, to push me as a pastor. Hey, pastor, hey, we got a job to do. We got a role to play in the city. We're on the team. We're in the game. And so it's my prayer. If you were here last week, the call was, let's wake up. Look, look, Jesus is going to return someday. He's going to return. And just like the prophets predicted the coming of the, of the Messiah, Jesus, to the world, let me tell you something. The prophets also predicted a day that Jesus will return. And we're not at that day yet. And for us, as a congregation, as a people called by God, we must live with a sense of urgency. And that is why every year we must have a challenge that is focused on the gospel. Because that's our only hope. I mean, let me tell you something. The, the only hope my children have in their lives is the hope that God brings to them. You know, they could go be successful in business and, and successful in music and successful in academics and, and these things, and it will produce very nothing for their eternity. It's like what... What um, Paul said to, to Timothy, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding a promise for this, not only for this life, but the life to come. And, and so look, there's so many people in our community that are driven to success and have this idea that, look, we need financial security. No, we need Christ in our lives. And, and this is why as a church, we've got to be focused. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9. And, you know, when I, when I think about just as, as God brought us here, our family here in 2012 to Owasso, and, 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 and I'm so grateful to be in this church, in this community. We had a, we had a party last night with the people that, that helped pull off our Christmas carol. And, man, we, God is doing some great things in the life of our church. But as I pray about our church... One of the memory verses that I continue to continually review comes to my heart, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And folks, when I look at... As I prayed about this day, as our staff spent two months praying about this day, Matthew 9 came to, to our heart and our minds. Matthew 9, Jesus had started his earthly ministry, and there were incredible things taking place in, in Matthew 9. I mean, you see uh, Matthew coming to faith in Christ in Matthew 9. You see the, 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 this, this miracle, the, the works of Jesus are, 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 are catching attention in Matthew 9. And people are recognizing, look, Jesus is, there's something to this guy. And you may be here, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, maybe you're here because you're thinking, look, there's something about Jesus that, that is supernatural. And that is true. And, and that's what's going on in Matthew 9. Now look at this. Look at verse 35. And can I challenge us? This year, you could probably do this this week. I want to challenge you to do this this week. 
Memorize Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Memorize it. It says this, when he, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages. Now let's stand together. Let's stand and read God's word. Let's just read it together. Can we do that? Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now when I look at this passage, this is, this is early in Jesus' ministry. He's calling his disciples. He, and what is he doing? He's, he's, he's traveling around. He says right here, he's teaching in their synagogues. Okay, see, this was his platform. This was the platform that, that Jesus embraced. You know, as he entered human history, he had a platform. And where was that platform? It was in the synagogues. It was among the religious leaders. It was among the scholars. And he's teaching in their synagogues. And, and, and even at 12, in my quiet time this morning, I go through the, the one, I, I read the Bible through every year in my quiet time. And even this morning, I was just thinking through of Jesus at 12 years of age. He's 12. He's, and remember, his mom had, and Joseph had left. They couldn't find him. And they're like, where is he? And he was in the synagogue teaching at 12. And they're looking at him going, who is this kid? Who are you? And everybody that met Jesus as, he, as they heard him teach looked at him and said, Who are you? You teach with authority. And see, that, that's the, the reality. The name of Jesus has authority. And, that, and that's why, that's something we can't forget. We must never forget that the name of Jesus, that, that, that Christ has authority. And people that heard him teach in the synagogues were like, Man, he, he, what is he doing? He's bringing the word of God to life. See, that's what Jesus has done for us. That's why the church must never be boring to us. Oh, my goodness. Following Jesus is a lot of things, but it should never be boring. And if, and if in your mind following Christ is boring to you, then, then there is a major disconnect. Because following Jesus is a lot of things. It's scary, it's uncomfortable, it's costly, it's an adventure. That's why on the, on the worship guide on your bulletin, it says the gospel adventure. Because God has moved us to, and, and changed us and led us in ways that I go, oh my goodness, I don't want to miss that. And I don't want us to miss the joy and the adventure of being in the middle of God's will. It won't be safe. It won't be comfortable. Oh, but you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. And Jesus, what is he doing? He's teaching in the synagogues. He's, he's, he's proclaiming. He's traveling through the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. It's good news. The kingdom is good news. I mean, I mean here's the reality. I mean, we're, our family is facing a really tough battle with cancer with my sister-in-law, and I appreciate, several have asked about her today, and I appreciate your prayers for Vanda. But you know what? It's, the good news has shaped us. 
And in the midst of a difficult health battle that, that, that doctor, the greatest doctors in Oklahoma are going, huh, I don't know about this. The gospel transforms us and reminds us that this world's not our home. Oh my goodness, there's hope in life. That, that we're meant for another place anyway. And, and, you know, I'm watching my brother and my sister-in-law tackle this battle with cancer just like people who believe in Jesus. And, folks, he, it's good news. That there's good news that Jesus came to rescue us. And, and what is he doing? He's preaching good news of the kingdom of God. And that's not this world. That's not this earth. There is a coming kingdom that we will one day see. Oh, my goodness, no more tears will be there. No more sickness, no more sin. The victory will be won. It's already won. We're just going to get to see it. And see, Jesus was preaching this good news of the kingdom, and it's, it's this incomparable reality. It's, it's, it's more real. It's a spiritual kingdom, but it's, it's more real than, than what we're experiencing in this very moment. What is he doing? He's healing every disease and sickness. Jesus helped people. And this is what he did. He, he helped people. And, and, and can I tell you that, that that's what God wants to do with those in our lives? I mean, there are people that are, that are, that are helpless. What does he say? Um, uh, he, he, they, they, he looks at them, and they're like sheep without a shepherd. Do you know that we rub shoulders with people every day that are living their life like sheep without a shepherd? Think about that. What does a sheep do without a shepherd? Gets in trouble, falls off cliffs, tries to find their own way, faces predators. But folks, we have a shepherd that leads us that directs us. This is why every day, every Sunday as we come together and gather around the Word of God, uh, we're not looking at me for guidance. We're together gathering around the Word of God looking to the Good Shepherd for guidance, the one who is our Lord and our Savior. And that's why you must recognize that I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is the head of this church, and he is leading us and guiding us, and we are joyfully living life, submitting to his call and his word. And see, Jesus helped people, healing every disease and sickness, and I want you to know Jesus can do that for you. Let me tell you something, 2020 will be a year that all of us will experience sickness, and that's why it's desperate. We're desperate to know the healer. Oh, don't you know the healer of sickness? You know, as a church, I, I think about Jesus' ministry is so powerful. But, but I also want you to notice the vision of Jesus. Look at this. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus saw the crowds. And you know what my prayer is? That we see the crowds. This is why I pray that you recognize the platform that God has given you. Because so many people look at me and go, well, Chris, you have this platform. You get up and preach every week. The reality is you have a platform. God has given you a place, a platform, a place of influence, a, a people that, that look to you. You know, you have a platform. You have a people that you are influencing. And I think about our call as Christians 
as our call as followers of Jesus, that we are to be leaders of people, that, that, that we are to lead others to Christ. And, and, and this is why it's interesting. We live in this world where, where a bunch of believers feel apolog, they apologize for pointing the world to Jesus. We should never apologize for that. We are called to be an example, a light to the world, he says. The vision of Jesus is he saw the crowds, and, 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 and this is something I pray for all the time. I was in Walmart last night. My wife and I went on a hot date last night and went to Walmart and did grocery shopping. It was great. I tried to get her to make out in the aisles, but she wouldn't do that with me. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but you know what? I saw crowds. I saw people. And so often we live in a city where we're sitting at a stoplight and we're frustrated with the crowds. Oh, why do we have to, I'm going to be here for three light cycles. But do you know that God has planted us among people? And so can I challenge us as we drive through this city and deal with the crowding? I pray we, we see people. We see the crowds. And this is what I love about, about Jesus' vision. He saw people. And you see that, that verse, that word, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. You know that word is in the original language. It's the same word that was used when Judas killed himself, and it said his bowels spilled out. And so this describes this incredible, and I want you to get this vision, as Jesus sees the crowd and it is, it is bowels are moved. That, that articulates a passion, a burden, a, a brokenness, a, a, a physical reaction. That he's going, oh my goodness, do you see the crowds? And it's my prayer that we learn from this. That we see this kind of vision, that we, we, we think about people like Jesus thinks about people. And I think sometimes we don't. We forget how helpless we are. We live in a world that says, oh, you know what? You're good in yourself. That's, that's not true. You can, you can uh, be the one to bring change. You can't. We, we need a Savior. We need, we need Christ. You see, the biggest lie of humanity is that Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. That's why the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And see, oh, we've got to see the, the vision of Jesus here. And, and then let's look at the challenge, verse 37. He said to his disciples, look at what he says. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You hear that? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. See, we're going to do that today. In just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. And we're going to 
We're going to ask the Lord of the harvest this question. Lord, is it me? Is it me? Am I, am I supposed to be one of those workers that you prayed for with your disciples when your, when your gut was hurting as you saw people? Because here we are living in the same time of grace where the gospel is available and the workers are being called. And I, I wonder if that's us. No, I believe it is. I believe it's us. I believe you and I are called to be the answer to Jesus and his disciples. And here's what he's done. Here's what God has done. God has moved us and called us to this field. We live in this place. This is the field we are to work. This is the place we are to serve. These are the people we are to know and and we rub shoulders with and we're to see them. We're to see our field. So what does this look like for us? Well, if you have your notes, I'm going to hustle through these because I have these blanks that I like. Follow along. Number one is this. We need to embrace our God-given platform. Do you realize you have a platform? The platform is, 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 is what God has given you, where God has influenced you, where God has placed you. And it's my prayer that you embrace the platform that, that God has given to you. Because you may look at me and say, well, Chris, you're a, you're a pastor. You have an important platform. Let me tell you something. There are people that you know that if I showed up, they'd go, I ain't talking to that guy. He's a preacher. But you have access to them. You have their ear. You're in their lives better than I am. You are a better influence in those people's lives, the people that you work with, than I am. It's my prayer that each one of us embrace this platform. And to do that, to embrace this platform, we've got to stand on biblical principles. This is what we've got to do. This is why Wednesday night is so important for us to learn how to study the Bible. Here's what we're going to do on Wednesday nights for four weeks. We're going to teach you how to interpret Scripture. And it's going to cause you to think. You're going to have to wrestle through it. It's not going to, this is, this is not easy entertainment. This is hard work of understanding the scriptures and interpreting the word of God. We're going to do that for four weeks on Wednesday nights. You ought to come. We've got to learn how to stand on biblical principles. It's why I'm motivated every, every time I get up to preach that we're in the word of God. And I look forward to seeing how God's going to use the book of 1 Samuel as, as, these, the, as God's people are trying to discern who their king is. That we recognize we serve the king of all kings. And I pray that God uses the book of 1 Samuel in our lives. We've got to learn to stand on biblical principles. We've got to work a plan of action. Look, there's a plan. We've got to have a plan as a church. You've got to have a plan in your life. And so here's the challenge. The gospel challenge is for you to connect intentionally with somebody every day. Connect every day. You know, I've found that in my marriage, I don't accidentally connect with Robin. I connect with her intentionally. And last night when she said, would you please go to Walmart with me? Because I don't want to go, but we need groceries. I was like, yes, 
And we're leaving Walmart, and she goes, thank you so much for coming with me. And it's a way we connect. It, that, that happens with intentionality. Let me tell you something, that's my prayer, that every day we wake up in 2020 saying, Lord, I'm going to connect with somebody every day. That's why this mission trip that we're challenging you to go on, that, that you can think about, I'm going to go to work and bring intentionality. I have a plan. Connect every day. It's my prayer that you recognize your place of greatest influence. We've got to recognize this. What does the Bible say? Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, says you're the light of the world. Like a city, it's on a hill. It cannot be hidden. We're the salt of the earth, right? The Bible, Matthew 5 says. This is who we are. Let's embrace this God-given platform. And I want you to know God has put you where you are for a reason. God has given you the abilities he's given you for a reason. And whether you're a truck driver or whether you're a, a, a food service worker, whether you're a teacher, a coach, or a CEO, God's given you a platform. Embrace it and allow the Lord to use it. Number two, connect with somebody every day. It's my prayer. Our gospel challenge is to connect every day with somebody. When I think about Jesus saying to us, let's work in the field, let's, let's be intentional about the field he's called us to, Let, let's pray for someone every day. Would you do that? Would you, would you bring this everyday journey with the Lord this year? Not, you can't just serve the Lord on Sunday. No, every day, let's get up. Let's pray for somebody every day. Let, let's let, let's uh, express appreciation for someone every day. Thank someone every day. Um, serve someone every day. Listen to someone every day. Folks, we, we've got we to connect with people. We've got to work this field that God has planted us. You know, why, why is this so important? Last Sunday was, in, was, the, was the urgency. If you were not here, go watch it online. Last Sunday, we look, I mentioned Matthew 24, 40 through 42, that, that two men will be working in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Um, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming, Jesus said. Folks, there, there's going to be a day Jesus returns. I don't know if it's going to be in 2020. I don't know, but I pray that we are such a faithful church that when Jesus returns, I mean, I mean, think about this. If you knew that Jesus was going to return uh, in February of 2020, I pray we are so in the middle of God's will that we would not even change our schedule. I mean, think about that. I pray that I live in such a way walking with the Lord that if I knew Jesus was going to return on a certain moment, I'd just keep my calendar. Let's connect with somebody every day. Third thing, and we're going to work this 936. We're going to work it. Our, our gospel challenge is your platform 936. You're going you're to see that all, all year long. We're going to talk about this all year long. Your platform, your 936 platform. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. His gut hurt. And it's my prayer that we enter 2020 with a, with a fire in our belly, with a burden in our gut. And I, and I want us to constantly ask ourselves this year, are we working the 936 or <clears throat> do we have that burden in our gut? Is that something we feel? 
you know, we got to pay attention to the Lord. This is something I pray we do. That we're a church that's paying attention to the Lord. We're walking with the Lord. I'm telling you, the Lord's going to call us to, 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 to service this year. He's going to get us out of our comfort zone this year. He's going to take us into new, in places we've never been this year. Pay attention to the Lord. Pay attention to our surroundings. We've got to notice the surroundings. You know that like, the reason Hispanic work is so important? I, I, in December, we had our Christmas party at, with ELL. English language learners, do you know that we do world missions every Wednesday night with people learning English right here in our church? There were 30-something Hispanics learning English at our church. Gosh, we need to start a church for them. We need to help. I'm telling you, we've got to pay attention, to, pay attention to your surroundings. That's why this challenge to be on this mission trip is so important. Pay attention to people. This is important. We've got to notice people. Folks, we have work to do in this place. And you know what, how I want to end today? Um, we've got to, as we move into 2020, we're going we're gonna to trust the Lord for the results. We're going to trust the Lord. And can I remind us, and, and I sat down and just was just wrestling through this moment right here. And, and, and don't you know that you can trust the Lord? Don't you know you can trust him? Remember when, remember in Acts 1, Luke is writing this, and God, God wanted us to know this, this, this part in the life of the disciples, so Luke wrote it down, and, and, and he talked about the, Jesus had risen from the dead, and the disciples were like, oh my goodness, you're alive. You conquered the grave. You conquered the cross. And Jesus is standing there talking to him. And then Jesus issued this challenge in Acts I want you to go and be my witnesses. And they're like, Jesus, we're like, we're just normal fishermen and tax people, and we're just normal people, and, and you're telling us to go be a witness, and, and we've got the Roman Empire, and, and we've got the world that, that hates us. How can we do this? You know what Jesus said to them? Acts 1. So when they had come together and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He said, look, guys, don't worry. You're going to receive power. Don't you know who we serve? Don't, don't you know the God that, that has saved us, the God that has changed us? Job wrote in Job 38, talks about God, and, and he's the one that, that set the foundations of the earth in place. He's the one that said to the oceans, stop right there. He's the one that commands the clouds, that, that, that sends lightning bolts from the clouds. He's the one that established the Pleiades and the, and the heavens and, and put every one of them in place and knows them by name. The Bible says he's the one that measures the universe with the span of his hand. That's who we serve. 
We serve the one who, who like, like Psalm 139 says, he, he knows you so well that he carefully knit you together in your mother's womb. That, that he knows you, he thinks about you so much that if you were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. The God we serve is the one that is so thorough about your life and my life that he says to them, all your days were written in a book before one of them came to be. That's the God we serve. Don't you see that? And he's the one. Oh, my goodness, he's the one that gave us Romans 5.8. That God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though you were a sinner, Christ died for you. See, Jesus knew about Chris Wall. He knew that I would be mediocre in my life. I never won a state championship. I was mediocre. But he called me by name. He saved me. He gave me a new uniform. He put me in the game. Said, look, I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. Chris, I know that you are a person that will, will disobey me. That you're a person that would, 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 would dishonor me. And you would willfully just, just not honor my word. I know, Chris, you're one of those that, that will, will just not know what to do. And you'll just offend me. But God demonstrated his love for me that even though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the depth of that love. And I'm not the only one. David tried to wrap his mind around the depth of that love. That's why he wrote in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. That's, I wrote it down. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed my transgression from me. Think about this. This is the God we serve. As far as the east is from the west, he removed my sin away. He removed my sin from me. Now think about that. If you get on a globe and you start traveling north from Oklahoma and you go north, you're going to hit the North Pole, and guess what? You're going to start going south. And then you're going to come back to Oklahoma coming north. He could have said as far as the north is from the south. That's how far I remove my sin from you. But he didn't say that. As far as the east is from the west, think about that. If you get in Oklahoma and you start traveling east, I think that's east, and you keep going east, you're going to go all around the world and come back to Oklahoma, and you're still going to be going east. You go west, you're going to go all the way around the globe. You're going to come back to Oklahoma, and you've been west the whole way. God says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I have removed your sin from you. Oh, my goodness. How can we be silent about this? Isn't that a message the world must understand and hear? So, it's time for an invitation. If you're here today and you don't know that Savior, how can you not? 
Oh, how can you not? Don't you see him? But here's what I want to ask us to do. We got to start this year on our knees. If you don't know Christ today, come and we'll, we'll help you know how this salvation can be yours. For those of you that know Christ as your Savior, you must ask today. God, is it me? Am I one of those workers in the harvest field? So here's what I'm going to ask. If you're able, we've got to start 2020 on our knees. If you're able, we're going to build prayer benches where it's easier and there's cushions. We don't have cushions right now. Some of you are able to get on your knees. You need to come and get on your knees today and pray for people that you know. For God to use you in your platform. Maybe you need to kneel at your seat. You could sit at your seat. You don't have to come down, but I'm telling you, we need our, we need to come. Some of you need to come. These altars need to be filled today. Let's get on our knees. We need the Lord. When I look at the world we live in, oh my goodness, it, it feels like we're losing. And when I think about that, I go, oh, wait a minute. We serve the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And folks, we are in this game. Let's act like it. Let's act like it.